Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Stack Overflow podcast, a place to talk all things software and technology. I am Ben Popper, the director of content here at Stack Overflow, and I have a great guest for us today, Kenny Kenneth Hearn, who is a fund manager and head of research at Swiss One Capital AG, a regular contributor to the U.S. Chamber of Commerce and a writer on all things crypto since 2013, spearheading investments in Web3 and the metaverse. Kenny, welcome to the Stack Overflow podcast. Thanks, Ben. Thanks for having me. It's a privilege to be here. I've looked at some of your guests and I felt quite honored to be invited to your show. So thank you very much. I gave a quick flyover there, but maybe tell us a little bit from your perspective, how did you get into the world of software and technology, if that's what brought you here, and what brought you into the fold for crypto Web3 metaverse faithful? So I come definitely more from a traditional finance background. I started out at Morgan Stanley, Barclays, and then moved into hedge fund management. And so very much in my parents used to call me analysis paralysis because I would overanalyze things down to the T and, and often it became difficult to to make decisions. But be that as it may, it's sort of always been a thing of mine to go deep into analyzing and researching things. So that's where what I did at traditional banks. And then I headed toward the hedge fund management space to be able to apply that knowledge and uh, hopefully make some money out of doing that. And so in about 2013, I came across Bitcoin, which was a funny story, but I did. And yeah, at that stage, I started looking into it and I really liked the economics of it. Right. Well, let me just pause you for a second there. Let's not jump over it. Funny how? How did you find it and why was it funny? Well, my, my wife was doing a yoga retreat in India and she came back and she said this guy would, that was, she was renting an apartment from would go to Bangalore and come back from Bangalore on the weekends and he wouldn't stop talking to her about this thing called Bitcoin. And clearly she knew me well and she thought it would be something that would be of interest to me. So she came back and told me all about Bitcoin and I told her, what are you talking about? This is insane. You don't know anything about this sort of thing. So to her credit, she pushed me and I went a bit deeper into it and really read that white paper. And, and then I was hooked at that stage. Uh, particularly, I think I, I'm definitely from a slightly younger generation in the traditional finance space. Uh, we, I was more of like an up and coming asset manager. And I call it like a new wave of asset managers where we actually want to invest money that is for the betterment of the planet and humankind. So I think that new wave of asset managers is entering the market and this uh, something like Bitcoin really spoke to that. And so, yeah, I tried to start to get the board of directors at the hedge fund that I was working at to, to look at investing in Bitcoin. And I very quickly saw that that was going to take a very long time. And I thought that the opportunity was then. And so I went right. out and started my own business, own asset management business. And that's kind of what led me from that point onwards, led me down this path. So you mentioned, right, you're someone who helps to manage money for people. You have clients who, you know, trust you with their investments. Um, you know, from 2013 to now has been, you know, a wild ride, big ups and downs in the world of crypto and Web3. From your perspective, where are we right now? You know, it feels like during the pandemic, you know, a whole new group of people got in on crypto. NFTs became a household phrase and, you know, investment and, and valuations in 
coins were through the roof. Then obviously there was, you know, the collapse of Three Arrows and FTX and, you know, uh, sort of a loss of trust in the ecosystem. I don't know, you know, what that looks like from your perspective, but I think it would be interesting to hear about it because I know software developers that I speak with within Stack Overflow and externally held very strong views about crypto on the way up and on the way down. You know, they had, a lot of them had already made up their minds if this was something they believed in or felt, you know, almost averse to, you know, they, they wanted to get away from the hype. So where do you sit now and how do you talk about it with yeah your clients or, you know, future partners or investments? In the same light as, as I'm sure a lot of the software and developers looked at working in the space and basically investing their time in the space, not necessarily money, but certainly their time, which I think is more precious than any, you know, crystallized value. But um, it's definitely when we start, you know, from me being in 2013 and then the strategies that we developed for institutions and family offices to invest in the space was very much aligned to a very long-term view and that, and that's always been the, the way our approach since day one has just been really, you can't not have ex- some sort of exposure to this asset class on the planet over the next 10 to 15 years. Even if it went to zero, it, just a small portion of one's investments or asset allocation into, a, into an asset that had this type of growth would make a significant impact on your overall portfolio. So from day one, it's always been about an asset allocation decision for a longer term investment. And so that's, that's the backdrop to sort of answering the first part of the question in terms of like, where are we now in that cycle? I, I was on a podcast in June last year and I said that I thought that the bottoming was going to be in around March, 2023. It seems like, you know, things are looking good right now and, and we needed this recovery. I think that the pendulum swung in the complete opposite way. So just like when we were at 69,000 and everyone was talking right. about for, for the Bitcoin price, and everyone was kind of talking about 100,000. It kind of like was the total opposite of where we are now, where it's like going to 100. Developers don't need to develop anymore. They've made all their money. They can go retire right. on a beach somewhere. <laughs> you know, and, and that all ended and it needed to end, right? Because I couldn't, you know, from a personal perspective, finding developers and finding in software engineers, it was impossible. Everyone wanted to work for ridiculous amounts of money. And that's what Cycles does, right? So right. Uh, we needed some a reality check. But now the pendulum swung in the complete opposite direction and at that limit. And certainly towards November, December last year, we were looking at this market going, this is very scrumptious valuations that we're looking right. at yet if right. if these protocols can do what they say they can do and right. that's the sort of the common denominator that hasn't changed is that the goal and what is trying to be achieved is extremely large and therefore the valuations will swing because it goes from being zero to huge adoption so right. if you look at valuation techniques and equations the biggest uncertainty around an equation is the g factor which is your growth factor and the higher your uncertainty around the g factor the greater the volatility of your valuation of those assets so we are in a little bit of a recovery a necessary recovery because it has gone too far in the negative territory but i just we're cautiously optimistic i do advise caution and trying to get ahead of oneself because there is still a lot that needs to be figured out from our perspective is relative to governance. And what we're building here is still 
built by humans. And where there are humans, there are politics. And where there is a huge amount of potential and growth, there's an element of abuse that takes place in that sort of sure. situation. So you mentioned, yeah, like, you know, valuations rise and fall, but, you know, the fundamental thesis about, you know, the power of these protocols can kind of remain. From your view on a long-term perspective, what is the value there? Is that derived from the software, from the cryptography? And what is the long-term value from your view? And how would you go about, you know, reasonably evaluating these companies or these coins in the same way we might, you know, evaluate a company in a stock? I've been looking more so of late at the metaverse category of Web 3.0, and I think the two go hand in hand with each other, and maybe in the next couple of minutes we can get into definition of the metaverse. But I've been looking far more at that, and the more this sort of, I don't really like the word crypto because I don't think it does justice in terms of what is too broad a statement in terms of what is actually being built by developers in the space. I think that the developers are developing across such a broad array of challenges that we face as humans on the planet right now. And each one of those challenges deserves the amount of time, respect, and and focus from a certain number of people. And those challenges that we're trying to overcome or trying to achieve is really where the value lies. And so as an asset manager, trying to use old traditional ways of valuation is useful when it comes to things that don't really change, like people, the way the money flows, within a project and the, where the value flows and is stored. But you have to try to imagine a new type of scenario or a new world in which we're operating within. And then within those multiple different scenarios that you can create, you then look at where the value would lie in a scenario like that. So for example, you know, in our metaverse fund that we're looking at the moment, we really like the hardware aspect of it, right? So because, and, and now I'm delving a little bit sort of the metaverse here, but for example, when we just, we define the metaverse as a confluence of the real world and the virtual world, right? And for many years, actually, a lot of people without them actually knowing it, they've been living in the metaverse. Anybody that takes a photo of themselves or goes for a run and measures their heart rate and then uploads that into a digital virtual world is effectively living in a metaverse in our view. And so where does the value chain lie along that process of taking real world data, moving it into a virtual world? Where does the value lie? And one of the key points that we like, for example, is the hardware aspect of that. So we like the development of the hardware. So Garmin would be a great company to get exposure to the metaverse in, I believe, for the longer term, because they are building the chips and the hardware that's required. And they're client facing so they have people who want to buy their products and then there's even the guys behind the hardware who's then building the chips that go into that so right. you're starting to see where i'm getting at and that's just that aspect of the metaverse so right well i'm glad somebody is making money in the metaverse it seems like the side people associated with the virtual reality and the headsets has been a tough road to hoe you know in terms of consumer adoption i tend to agree with you that Anybody who's been playing World of Warcraft for five years and has great friends there and is super invested in their skins and digital gold, you know, has been living in a form of metaverse. I guess, yeah. you know, the, what we don't have is sort of the metaverse where you can move between the World of Warcraft and your Facebook account and your Garmin Health and all, you know, bring your yeah. 
avatar with you between all those things. You mentioned a few times, you know, wanting to invest and think about things from a perspective of, I guess, the challenges we face, you know, you said as a, as a species, as a planet, how do you square the investment in technology with, yeah, you know, what we need to do to face up against climate change? You know, for a long time, I think Bitcoin and Ethereum and others were kind of left out of that discussion. Then they were definitely a, a boogeyman in there, you know, consuming all this electricity for what reason? Now, obviously, people have you know come up with new solutions like proof of stake. But you, you mentioned that a few times. So I'm curious: is this like an ESG component? And if so, how do you balance you know a investment in Bitcoin or Metaverse or Web three with you know those goals? So I think that energy is a major challenge for moving humans and trying to improve the way that we consume stuff around the planet. I think that's one of the biggest implications on the planet is the amount of stuff we consume. So if we can improve that and gather data on the amount of stuff that we're consuming, a large amount of energy is required in, in order to do that, in order to use applications that can monitor the data, et cetera, et cetera. So energy consumption is a massive issue. And I don't believe we're currently valuing energy the way that we should because what's required to generate energy is is hugely impactful so one way of doing that is to connect the energy that we consume around the planet into some sort of stable coin that is backed by energy that we can transfer around the planet and use energy and, and move energy around the planet more efficiently i think that's something that's very interesting ways to manage that but for me, the critical part this is where uh, artificial intelligence comes in, and it's suddenly accessible. I mean, I've been looking at AI and all these different sophisticated technologies for years now, but I thought the time until I would be able to use AI is probably like 20 years from now. And suddenly I'm seeing the power of this thing, and I'm going, wow, this is useful. I, you know, I always thought, why can't I get into writing code? I mean, I know now after having my first child, I just don't have the patience to write code. Uh, so I take my hat off to most of your listeners and people who do develop. I would have loved to become a software developer. But the fact is, is that now I've been starting to use AI to give me code to then put into like Excel to start running models for me. And, right, and I don't even right. have to know how to code. I just say, this is what I want to do with code. And then it gives me code. Right. It's quite incredible. So, I don't want to diminish, you know, uh, what's happened in the world of Bitcoin, crypto, Web3 and Metaverse. I myself, yeah, I've been covering this stuff as a journalist since 2010, 11 and, you know, like dabbling in it in various ways and, you know, know many people who work in the industry. I guess I'm sort of struck by your appreciation for, you know, AI because I feel the same way. And I guess that's one of the things that to my mind, you know, puts a challenge out to something like DeFi or, you know, the use of stable coins by people, which is to say, in a very short time, once it became accessible, so many people were able to see, oh, this is the value to me of this technology. Now, I, you know, before I couldn't write code, now I can write code and fix up my website. Before I couldn't, you know, run these models, now I can, or, you know, whatever it may be, this is helping me to be a better writer of fiction. You know, there are many different yeah. ways to use AI. And some of the most recent demonstrations seem like a turning of a new leaf in search and not just Googling you know, where can I find this? But I'm saying, hey, I'm buying this closet. It's this size. Will it fit in my car? And the AI does the calculations for you. Like, that's very useful. <laughs> you know, like, maybe it's not rocket science. It is in the background, not in the foreground. But, you know, like, it's extremely consumer-facing useful. So 
when you think about that, does that give you pause about like sort of, you know, like the main focus of your investment? Like would it shift to AI? Would it continue to be in, you know, the areas it's traditionally been in? Or, you know, do you think those two things will end up blending together? Well, they are already blending together. I'm already looking at AI projects within the crypto metaverse space. And, you know, for me, the way that I see Web 3.0 or the metaverse, I think it's like it's like a test net for human beings. So the main net is us in the reality that we live and we go out into the snow and we feel the cold and we come back home and, you know, we continue doing whatever we have fun doing. But it's much more difficult to test these things that we imagine or what things could be like or how much easier our lives we could make for ourselves or how much more time we could give each other. Because, I mean, that's, at the end of the day, the greatest asset that we have is our time. And so the more that we can create tools to give us more time, the better, you know. And so I'm very open to AI from that perspective. And and so, yes, we're already looking at projects that are doing that. And most of the AI projects that are building that are sort of listed in digital asset space, because I want to kind of move away from this word crypto, because it's not crypto. It's just that they're digital assets that are listed on these exchanges that are dubbed crypto exchanges, but it's just a marketplace to invest in these types of projects. But basically, these projects are trying to create a marketplace for people to bring AI that makes it accessible to you or I in a way that's very applicable to my life. So I think that if that can be the focus and the more we can decentralize the building of AI, the safer it is going to be built. I think what scares me about, about AI, I guess, is like where there's like a group of people who sit in a room and are deciding how AI is going to like take over the world or like what sort of products are going to be used. Right. So that's what I like about AI being developed inside a more decentralized environment. And that's right. what most of the projects within the decentralized ecosystem, that's where they're building. I tend to agree with you. You know, obviously there's, you know, large tech companies that have a lot of research in this and will have products, but they also publish a lot of the research, which is nice. The yeah. blend of academic community, open source and big tech is kind of unique in the AI space. And as you point out, you know, there are some projects like a stable diffusion, which have kind of almost kept pace in a lot of ways with the progress of, you know, what's going on inside of some of the big companies. So that's been really cool to see. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Uh, hope you enjoyed the show. Gave you some new thoughts on AI and the metaverse. As we always do this time of the show, we shout out a Stack Overflow user who came on and helped out the community sharing some knowledge. Thanks to X-Ray1986, winner of a lifeboat badge for rescuing a question from the dustbin of history. The question is, what is the Unicode symbol that represents download? If you're curious, X-Ray has the answer for you and has helped over 50,000 people over the years. As always, I am Ben Popper. I'm the director of content here at Stack Overflow. You can always find me on Twitter at Ben Popper. Email us with questions or suggestions, podcast at Stack Overflow. And if you like the show, do us a favor, leave us a rating and a review. It really helps. I'm Kenny Hearn. I am the fund manager and head of research at Swiss One Capital AG. We have a listed product, the Metaverse ETI, on the Stuttgart Exchange, which is accessible by people all over the world. And yeah, we run a great strategy. We invest in real-world assets, virtual assets, digital assets. Um, that's broad. And you can find us at SwissOne.Capital or on our Swiss One Capital on Twitter. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you soon.